Well, good morning. Good to be here. Good to see all of you out in such nasty weather out there, like Tony said. At least it's not real cold just yet. Um, just a couple things to add to Tyler, what Tyler had as far as announcements. Um, and if, if you are scheduled to be baptized and, and we haven't talked yet, please get with me after service this morning. I've talked to a few folks. It looks like the December the 12th is actually a better date than the November the 7th. Now, we're still going to have a worship service that night, but we're going to look to do the baptism on December the 12th. So if you haven't, get with me after, after service this morning if you haven't done so already. Um, I think that's about it, actually. Is there something, Junior, reach out? Rachel? Yeah, we're just going to have a little party on Friday night at 6.30. At 6.30 to 8, so we're just going to paint some pumpkins and maybe do a game, have some snacks. Sounds good. All right, anybody with a special song this morning or testimony? Everyone's jumping up. All right, if you got your Bibles this morning, turn over to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. So the last few weeks, we've, uh, we've been looking at faith. Uh, we defined it the first week. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And we used the story of Noah's ark to show how Noah found favor with God by his faith. And you know, built the ark and... You know, he, he had never seen raindrops before, and he had that faith that, that allowed him to trust you know, what God had asked him to do. And then last week we looked at James. How his, he was teaching that, that faith comes with action. And if, you know, I think the, the term was, if, if without works, faith is dead. And it comes with action. And like basically what he was saying is, if you're a true born-again Christian, there should be works that come through that faith. It's not just a sit back. There should be works that come from that faith. That evidence, if you will, of, of what happened on the inside. And he used you know, the life of Abraham and Rahab, those, those couple of examples, which are both in the, the hall of faith, if you will, Hebrews chapter 11. And again, this, is, this was to a Jewish, uh, gent- or a Jewish Christian base who grew up thinking that works was the way to salvation. So then once they converted to salvation, then they thought works had nothing to do with salvation. So then James is saying it absolutely does have something to do with salvation because you sh- your faith should show those works. So this morning we want to kind of stay on that same path a little as far as faith goes with works and look at faith in action. And that's a, this is a big one because I think this is all something that we all really struggle with. But it's, it's that, you know, kind of like we said last week, loving God, living Jesus, learning to serve. That maturity, if you will, kind of we talked about in, in Sunday school this morning, maturity of, of being a Christian and that genuine saving faith that only Jesus can provide. So we'll read just a, a few verses here in James chapter 3. I'm in the ESV today. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for ye know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. 
For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on hell by fire. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursings. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour, does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And we'll, st- we'll stop right there. You know, most, most Bibles, I believe the, the title of this section is either Taming the Tongue or the Untamed Tongue. And I think right there, I think we just get defensive because we know we all struggle with it. I know as I was studying and reading this, it's like there's things that come to my mind, like things I've said, things I've done. It's like, man... I think it's just something that we really struggle with. You know, you always hear, well, I got mad and I did this and I said this and I shouldn't have said this. You know, the the bad thing about words is once they're said, you can't take them back. That's the bad thing about words is once you say it, there's no taking it back. How many how many have said something they wish they could take back? Absolutely. Probably all of us. But it's just we it's something that we regret. And again, it's just. It, it's a huge challenge, I think, especially for Christians. Because, you know, we want to think like we're perfect, but we know we mess up. Give me a hammer, let me hit my thumb. You're going to hear a few things. Probably not good things. But we all mess up. We, he, like he says there, we all stumble. Who struggles with it with uh, driving? Road rage. It's, it's, it's just crazy. We, you know, or, or when you're angry or upset or hurt. You know, my sister, she's not here this morning, but was a little upset last night. But I know she never actually said anything out of place. I was like, that's, that's awesome. Um, long story, but won't go into that. But it's very easy to say something that you're just going to regret. It's, it's really simple. I mean, you can't take it back. And you know, it amazes me. I read a lot of different stuff online and um, I don't really participate too much in social media, but I actually like reading comments and stuff. But it, it amazes me just how nasty people are today. Mm-hmm. Does anybody else read that stuff and you're like, oh my gosh, like I would have never said that to anyone. But it's all over. And, and it's, you know, being in IT, I kind of see this, you know, people behind a keyboard are much more <laughs> willing to say something than they would to your face. And it's actually kind of sad, but I, you, you just see it all the time. But it just amazes me how horrible and hateful and harmful some of those things are. And, you know, we always heard sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me or whatever. Not true, is it? 
not true. Words are words can hurt. They really can. They're powerful. But you know, there's there's two different sides of it. I think. You know, I think words can either you know tear you down, or they can build you up. Which we as we as the church know, our job is to edify and build people up. That's our job as a Christian is to to build up. But really, what it comes down to, let me flip over here real quick to Matthew chapter twelve. You can flip over too if you want. Matthew 12, starting at the 33rd verse. Jesus breaks it down here. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brought of vipers, how, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's the key right there. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what comes out? Actually, it's coming from your heart. I'm going to read the rest of this because it's good. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Jump back over to James real quick. So you'll be, you'll, you'll be judged by those words that you've said. And like he says there in the second verse, you know, we're all going to stumble. We're all going to mess up. Only a perfect man doesn't mess up. And James knew the only perfect man was Jesus. He knew that. The only perfect man was Jesus. We're all going to mess up. We're all going to do things that we regret or, or say things that we regret. Don't you ever think... Because if you remember, James didn't actually follow Jesus until after the resurrection. Do you think there were times in James's life that he said stuff about Jesus? That he's not really the Messiah. He's, he's crazy. Do you think that happened? I don't know. I mean, the Bible doesn't say that. But it just makes me think about stuff like that. You know, did that happen? Did he go to people and say, that's my brother. He's nuts. He could have. He really could have. Just makes you think about stuff. <clears throat> but James knows how powerful that our, our words and our tongue can be. And that's really the, the purpose of this writing here is to, sh- to make us think about it. You know, I think sometimes we just think, we say something. Does anybody like not think before they speak sometimes? <laughs> then you're like, oh my goodness, why did I say that? So when you get married, for all you younger ones, you got to be real careful sometimes how you say things to your wife. Right, Brent? <laughs> so when, when Amanda and I got married, you know, there's sometimes you just say stuff. And she, she's taught me over 25 years, almost 26, or actually is it 26? I'm losing count. I'm getting old. Think before you speak, or you're going to be in the doghouse. It's just the way it is. You've you got to think. But he uses several examples here to show us just how powerful the tongue can be. So the first, in, in verse 3 there, if we put bits into the, horse, the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. You know, I was doing a little research on this because I don't really know a whole lot about horses. Does anybody know a lot about horses? I really don't know much. Nobody else does either. 
But I was doing a little research, and it was saying that the, the bit, when the jockey or whatever you want to call them, you know, maneuvers, like it puts like pressure on them, and that's how it tells them. It's, it's like it's more of a communication type thing. I was like, that's pretty interesting if you really think about it. Go out and read, go read more about it. Um, but it's, it's a communication thing but with the horse, and they know which way to go based on you know, the, the uh, pressure in their mouth. I thought it was pretty interesting. But a powerful, I mean, think of those big, huge monster horses. I'm looking up at my I get on that horse. Anybody ever been on a huge horse like that? Mark? There's no way I'm getting on that horse. There's no way. I'm afraid of heights, too. So, But this big, huge horse, and you got this little controlling it. It's, it's amazing. And those things are powerful. They're really powerful. But then he gets into the second part of it there where he talks about a ship. Look at the ships also, though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the, the will of the pirate directs. So also is the tongue of a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Has anyone ever been on a, a boat during a storm? I know some of you guys have in Lake Erie because I was on the same boat. It scared me to death. But the fact that they could still maneuver and all that was just amazing. But I was looking, there was a, I read something, I can't remember where it was. But it was talking about the big uh, ships that you go on cruises and stuff today. Like 400 yards. Does that sound pretty accurate? And the rudder is the size of like a pickup truck. Pretty amazing. Or I think it was like 76 tons is, is the, the weight of one of those. And the rudder, I think, or did I say 76,000? 76,000 uh, pounds. And the rudder, I think it was like 70 or something like that. But it was like 0.1% of the overall weight. That's amazing. It's really amazing to think that that can actually control it. But it's a perfect example of, of talking about our tongue. Because, I mean, think about it. Think about our, what, what our tongue and our words can do to people. It's, 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 it's really crazy to think about. And then he kind of shifts gears a little here in the fifth verse. Basically like the, what it can cause. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. Anybody remember the, the huge fire in Tennessee a couple years ago? It was 2016. There was, I think the, the rumor was it was started by a couple of teenagers that really didn't mean to... I read something the other day. It was something about a power line too. I don't, I don't, I don't know. But the, the stats of that were pretty amazing. So 17,000 acres were burned. Killed 14 people, injured 190 people, 2,460 structures were damaged or destroyed. Like I said, no doubt they had, they weren't thinking that we're going to burn down Gatlinburg. I mean, that's not what they were thinking. But a small fire can do that. I mean, I was, I've got a few people who work for me in California, and they always have the fires. And a lot, what it is, is a lot of people are out there camping, it's dry, and, and it starts all this crazy fire. Has anybody seen the videos where they're driving in California and the fires are coming out? I'm like, why are you driving? Like, get out of there. <clears throat> so the other one that I, I found as I was researching this, anybody heard of the Chicago fire of 1871? Burned for three days. 150 years ago, killed 300 people, destroyed thousands of buildings. The estimated damage was $200 million. 150 years ago, the estimated damage was $200 million. 
The Tennessee one, which was 2016, was $500 million. So imagine what that Chicago one would have been today. But again, that small fire. Does anybody know how that one started? Everybody heard of it? Does anybody know how it started? Huh? What'd you say, John? Something about a cow. Cow kicked over a lantern in a barn. That's, that's nuts, isn't it? It's nuts. <clears throat> but the point is, again, James is saying it doesn't take much. That little spark can cause a huge fire. And we have to think about that as Christians. With what we say. With our words that we just say to anybody else. You know, we were talking this morning in Sunday school about discipleship. And I only preached about it for six months, but nobody still knew what the definition of discipleship was. <laughs> right, Ryan? They didn't know. I tried to give them a hint, but they still didn't know, even though I got in trouble for looking on my phone. Uh, but it's like if, if, you know, if we're not willing, and this really isn't on the topic, you're not going to go off the top of my head, but if we're not willing to disciple people amongst us that we love, how are we ever going to go out there and disciple anyone else? How's it ever going to work? Our tongue. It says there in that sixth verse, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. Sounds pretty uh, crazy there, doesn't it? That our tongue can be that. But again, it's, it's, it's pointing to our heart. That's where it's all coming from. That sinful nature of our heart is really what it's talking about. The Amplified Bible there, I like how it, it lays this couple verses out. It says, The tongue is a world of wickedness set among our members, contaminating and depraving the whole body, and setting on fire the will of birth, the cycle of man's nature, being itself ignited by hell, or Gehenna. And that Gehenna is referring to it was called the Valley of Hinnom or something like that, if I remember correctly. It was in Jerusalem. It was, it was used as like a garbage where they threw you know, dead bodies, dead criminals, and it just burned all day long. It was like a symbol of, of hell or everlasting punishment. So it's just crazy. There was a, a comment by John Gill that I read, a commentary. It says, The tongue is influenced, instigated, and stirred up by Satan to speak mental many evil things. And again, from your heart. All that evilness is coming from your heart. That sinful nature. And as a child of God, that should not define us. The Holy Spirit inside us should define us as the Christ follower, as that disciple was trying to talk about this morning. The Holy Spirit should define us. You know, he, where he shares there about the the truth about being able to tame all the, the animals and things like that. You know, we, think about that. We've, we've been able to tame just about any animal you can imagine. But we ourselves cannot tame our tongue. We can't. We can't do it. We'll mess it up every single time. That untamed tongue. And this is where he gets into some of the inconsistencies that we get into. Especially as Christians, I think. So with, with our tongue, we're blessing God. And in the same time, we're cursing other people who are made in the image of God. So technically, you're blessing and cursing God at the same time. 
He's saying it's inconsistent and it shouldn't be that way. Is what he's saying there. And he uses a couple of different examples. From the same... uh, Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Wouldn't it be crazy if you could go plant, plant an apple tree... And like blueberries come up, that'd be nuts, wouldn't it? That'd be crazy. That's kind of what he's talking about. It's inconsistent. It's inconsistent. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You know, teenagers, teenagers, listen to me. I've been a teenager. A lot of us have here been teenagers. I have said some of the worst stuff that you can imagine. And no doubt you have too. But let me tell you this. You don't have to impress anyone. You don't have to, you don't have to be cool. You don't have to say the stuff that they say. You don't have to do the stuff that they say. Look to God. Look to Christ. I've done it. I've said anything you can imagine. I'm not proud of it. I can't take it back. But I thought I was cool. I thought I was it. I was nothing until God got a hold of me. I was nothing. Nothing. You want to think you're cool. And it's hard. Don't get me wrong. It's hard. It's tough. You want to think you're cool. Don't do it. Don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. Just because they're saying it doesn't mean you got to say it. And that's what I love what Lane and Jared are trying to do for the teens down there. And we'll talk more about that later. Let's be real. Let's be real. What are we struggling with? Has anybody ever said a cuss word? I sure have. We come here and we think we're perfect and we're not. God knows it anyway. That's the thing. You can fool all of us, but you can't fool Him. You can't fool Him. Be consistent. You know, we talked in Colossians not too terribly long ago about putting down that old man and bringing on the new man. If you're stuck there saying that stuff and doing that stuff, I don't know if you put on that new man. You're still in that sin. You're still in that sinful nature. The thing is, though, if God saved you, be that person who God saved. Don't go out there and live like you're living. You don't have to go do it. Teenagers, I've messed up so much. Listen to God. A lot of people that know me know how bad I mess up. And it's so easy to mess up. It's so easy to get away from church. It's so easy to get away from God. It's not worth it. It is not worth it. Not one bit. Your friends might think you're cool, but let me tell you. There's not one kid that I went to school with that I still really talk to. So you spend all these years trying to impress them, mm-hmm. and then you never see them again. Right. I've told my kids that. You'll never see them, not that we will never see them again, but you know what I mean. It's not the same. It's not the same. But you spend all that time trying to impress them. I just remember certain, certain things pop in my head of, of things that I've done. Places I've been where I said certain things and I'm like, I was an idiot. I was an absolute idiot. 
Listen to this verse. Psalms 141. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. I can't see. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Do not let my heart incline to any evil. Again, we can't do it alone. It's got to be through the Holy Spirit. We can't do it. We'll mess it up every single time. Now, adults. You're not off the hook either. Because, you know, I think we as adults, we see the kids and we're like, oh man, you believe that foul language that you do? And we do the same exact thing. We say the same exact stuff. But we don't want to admit it. Because we're older, we're cool, and we're... We're not cool. Well, some of you are. Why do we do that? Why do we try to play church? We, we all mess up. We all mess up. We all say bad things. Like I said, it didn't take me too long to realize. I need to start thinking before I speak. Or Amanda was mad at me. It doesn't take very long to realize that. But ask God for help. You know, get rid of the hate and the complaining and the gossip. Get rid of all of it because it doesn't help anything. It doesn't help anything. All the anger, pride, all of it. It doesn't help anything. The negativity, that's another one. So People are just so negative. Get rid of it. It's not helping anyone, especially you. It's not helping anyone. You know, I learned long ago, like I said, there's a certain way you can say things without being negative and get your point across. I had to learn that. Man, it was mad at me constantly. <laughs> but it's, you know, the, the other thing that I always thought about as I was studying through this is what you're saying glorifying God. Is what you're saying glorifying God? Is what you're saying building up the church? Building up your brothers and sisters? Building up someone else? Or is it tearing down? Is it dividing? Who has seen words divide families? Who has seen words divide churches? Who has seen words divide marriages? That's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Get rid of it. The other question you have to ask is do your words match your walk? Do your words match what Jesus did inside of you? Do they match? And a lot of us should say, no, they don't, because we're messed up. But it takes the Holy Spirit coming in. It takes that Holy Spirit to be who God wants us to be. We can't do it on our own, church. We can't do it. It takes the Holy Spirit guiding us to who Jesus, what Jesus wants us to be. You know, if you can't say those things, if you can't say what you're saying is glorifying God, if you can't say that what you're saying shows what happened on the inside, something's not right. Something's not right. Every time I get up here, my nose starts running. What is on the inside? That's what James is, is worried about here. 
What's on the inside of what's going to come out? Tammy, what you're saying in your class? Careful what you think, what you see, what you hear, what you say, what you feel, what you do, and where you go. Exactly. Kids, I know you went through that class. She's exactly right. She's exactly right. Be careful what you think. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you do. You got to be careful. Because it can all lead you in a direction away from God. And that's not where you want to be because that's not a good place. It's not a good place. I've been there. Believe me. Like I said, I was saved when I was nine years old. But when between nine and about twenty, I did what Bob wanted to do. I did what I wanted to do, not what he wanted me to do. But there was always something there pulling me back. But I was so embarrassed. I was so I just didn't want to face it. I didn't want to come and look at Tony in the face. Because he could see right through me. He could see my sin right through me. I didn't want it. I ran as far away as I could. But I couldn't run no more. He brought me back. He brought me back. Thank God. Because I know where I would be today. He introduced me to a grown little man. The best thing that ever happened to me. The best thing that ever happened to me. He saved my soul. And I tried to run. I tried to do everything on my own. And it does not work. I know I get emotional crying, but I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth that it's not worth that. You gotta get yourself out of the way and let God shine through. And everything works, your words, everything. You gotta let Him shine through. Because it's not about you, it's not about us, it's about Him who came and died on that cross for our sins and sins of the whole world. So I'm going to shut up. The word of God has been spoken this morning. Because he's speaking to your heart this morning. Do you need to make it right with him? As we all stand and have one verse of a song, I'm going to ask. If you're not right, come down here and pray with us. There's so many people in here that will come down and pray with you right now. Or will come to your seat and pray with us. As we have one verse of a song.